Welcome to One City Podcast. Today, Pastors Chris and Karen Conley will take a deeper dive into this week's message and teach us to apply the truth of God's Word in our lives. Welcome to Conversations. This is Karen and Chris Conley, and we are coming to you to have a conversation about part two of Building One City. It's all about faith, hope, and love. So I hope that you've had an opportunity to listen to the first week's message, and today as we talk about the second week's message, hope you've had a chance. If not, encourage you to go back and listen to that um, to give you the context of our conversation. But this is just a way that... um, Um, So many times, I don't know if if you as a listener, if you're sitting in the audience and there's just different questions that come into your mind or thoughts that, that, um, that the Lord brings to your mind if you're listening to a sermon, well, this is our chance to kind of bring some of those questions to light and really maybe dialogue about things that, that there's not time or, or the appropriate way on a Sunday morning um, to navigate, but that will hopefully be a gift to you as you are listening and applying God's truth to your life. And so Chris, this particular message, we're in the middle of 40 days of fasting and fulfillment currently at One City. And as we have started this series, really in, uh, in unison um, with this fast, Um, I think it's gone a different direction than maybe we thought. I don't think the fast was really a part of what we were thinking initially and then the way that it all aligned, but we find ourselves in week two back in such a powerful passage that we referenced and you taught on both weeks um, that on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that is such a powerful verse in a time where, in a lot of ways, most people look and and maybe there is some truth to it, the church feels less than powerful. And so as we come into this particular message, one of the questions that you posed in the message, I wanted to just talk with you about, and that was, why does it feel like hell is defeating the church? So um, you always come really softly. You always, you know, just tiptoe into topics that are difficult. And that was uh, your tiptoe in there. You know, I'm just playing with you. Um, But I think it is a question that as you asked it, I think there was just a sense of, yeah, it does feel like that. As, As I heard that, as others in the room heard that, Give us your context. Yeah, sometimes the truth hurts, you know. Uh, It was that movie, A Few Good Men, Jack Nicholson, I think, you know, shouted in the courtroom, you can't handle the truth. And, uh, you know, in this particular situation, we don't want to face the truth. And the truth is that the church, uh, numerically, uh, in an American context, is decreasing. But much more than numerically, when we talk about the authority of God, uh, you know, and I just reflect in my own lifetime, you know, I am 50 years old and kind of grew up in the eighties. Um, so much about, um, things associated with God's authority, those, um, standards that once were fixed in place, um, you know, relative relativism, has replaced a standard of authority. Um, You know, we 
you know, debate and question, is there really uh, a absolute truth? And the reason why people want to destroy, you know, a absolute truth, because if there's a absolute truth, there has to be one who is truth and there has to be a truth giver. And so if we can destroy truth, then ultimately we can uh, destroy, you know, who the person of God is. And so what we see is, you know, I, I feel like, unfortunately, uh, with each, you know, decade that has passed, as the church has compromised a little bit, as the church has made concessions, as the church has become more polite than powerful, uh, we have seen the authority of God decrease. And when we see the authority of God, we see decrease and we see lawlessness increase. And so like in Galatians, it says the deeds of the flesh are evident. Well, let me just ask you, are these things evident in our society today? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. I mean, that's the norm. You know, that that's uh, in abundance in every... Um, expression of media that we can possibly imagine. It's in abundance in the way that we present ourselves, you know, uh, on an everyday basis. You know, then it says there, these, these deeds of the flesh, they're evident. There's idolatry and idolatry is, you know, we don't put God first. And so we allow everything, but we allow ourselves to be put first. Most of the time we allow money to be put first because that's the way we put ourselves first. You know, we allow so many different things, but then there's like sorcery, you know, so there's all different types of, you know, false religions and false ideas and, and, and just, you know, dabbling in the spiritual realm in unhealthy ways. And, but notice all these words associated with like division, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy. Um, you know, you just see these things that are like uh, all designed to divide us, all designed to create, you know, sides. You know, I'm on this side, this group's on this side. Then there's drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And so um, to answer your question, why does it feel like hell is defeating the church it's because the church is all of a sudden turned into playing defense. And as we play defense, you know, we're only known for what we're against instead of what we're for. And what has happened is people turned against the church because uh, it's not visionary to have a lifestyle built upon don't do this, don't do that. And so we, for the large, longest period of time, would just simply criticize people who weren't following God or weren't walking in the ways of God. We would judge people. And there's nothing more unattractive than being judged. There's nothing more unattractive than being critical or belittling someone. And so instead of having a stronger no, our greatest mistake was we just kept making our no bigger and stronger. We need to have a stronger yes. And we need to captivate people with a vision of what God promises about the future and about all the fruits of the spirit instead of focusing on the deeds of the flesh. Chris, as you're talking about this, I think, um, the thing that impacted me the most when we talked about that question and, you know, hell feels like a 
big word and like such a serious word and hell in the church and something that just feels out there. Um, but when you start bringing that back to a personal level and we start thinking about, you know, people in our lives, our family members, our friends. Um, and I think about even the converse, the types of conversations I have with parents who have had their children grow up in church and the hell that they are walking through, all of a sudden I feel like this becomes something that goes from ethereal and theoretical to personal. Yeah. So speak to that as we turn the corner in a minute to talking about binding and loosing, um, just on that personal level of why, as you read that list, and I think about us having adult children, and I think about, as you mentioned, from the 80s all the way to where we are, why is it that somebody listening to this podcast should actually do something different than they've been doing? Because there is a real enemy out there who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And yes, there is um, a lot of teaching, but specifically Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, on what it means to put on the armor of God. We have to realize that we are in a battle. And if you are naive to the battle, you'll be destroyed by the battle. You will not be prepared for the battle. And so there is a sense that, yes, we need to defend ourselves, but also in that battle, we need to play offense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where we do have the sword of the word of God in order to play offense. And, and so I, I think that's where um, both are true. Yes, some defense is needed. Now, I think one of the mistakes that we've made historically is we focused on defense and we didn't cast the vision of what offense looks like. We didn't cast the vision of what does it really look like to have a life that when we walk by the Spirit, we bear the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And one of the things I said in the message was, choose your fruit and you'll choose your future. Well, there are times that the world in the schemes of the enemy and the lies of the enemy, what he does is he wins by manipulation. He paints these pictures of what we think we really want. But what we've got to do is we've got to come alongside of people, expose the lies and say, no, this is what your heart truly desires. This is what is truly fulfilling. This is what is rewarding. And so in that way, choose God. And when you choose God, what you're going to choose is you're going to choose your future. So Chris, as we move on through this message, I think the, the, the other part of this that we've got to discuss is this idea of binding and loosing. And in Matthew 16, 19, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I know you defined what that was and what that looks like, but what are the things that in the, in the context of binding that you might want to elaborate on or, or help us to truly um, grab the opportunity that we have as believers to exercise his authority? Well, 
before we jump right into bonding, the statement before that says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And so do you realize that you've been given the keys, you know, to this kingdom, to this authority in that you are not unprepared, you're not ill-equipped, um, you are not left with, you know, it, it, this is not a, a battle where, you know, the enemy has, you know, all the, the weapons, you have the ability to win this battle, all right? And those keys are designed to give you access to everything heaven has, okay? The keys are designed to give you access to this authority, access to his power, access to victory. And so when we look at this, um, you know, we go from the keys to this concept of what you bind and what you loose. Well, there's many different ways to define this. And in, um, in its context, you know, I, I want to give a couple of different ways to give the full context here. But if we simplify it, if we just try to re remember, okay, the word bind means to forbid. Okay. And the word loose means to free. All right. So if we can kind of keep that simple definition, it'll help us understand what's really happening here, that we're going to forbid certain things that are against God's authority from happening. All right. Uh, we're going to, when we bind certain things, we're going to tie certain things up in a knot that can't be, you know, untied so that it has uh, zero effect. It's ill effective. All right. And then there's certain things that when we free it, when we uh, loosen it, we're going to free it. We're going to create freedom and we are going to loosen um, the authority of God, you know, the reign of God, uh, the power of God into these types of situations. And so as we look at this, you know, here's a definition of authority that I borrowed from Tony Evans. He says, the divinely delegated right and responsibility for believers to act on God's behalf, for believers to act on God's behalf. That's what we're doing with these keys. That's what we're doing with the binding and the loosing. Uh, to act on God's behalf in spiritually ruling over his creation. We're going to rule over something. We're going to take authority over something um, under the lordship of Christ. And so when you think about that, all right, let me, let me repeat what he says here. He says, whatever you bind. So is there any limitations to that? Whatever you bind, there's no limitations. He has all authority. There's nothing with a greater authority than Jesus. And Jesus has given us all of his authority. Then he says, and whatever you lose. So the scope of that statement is staggering. But do we realize that's true of us? That's what's possible with us. And so then as we look at this, it's also important to remember that we are the ones doing the binding, not God. He has delegated that to us as his representative, all right? That's where we're to legislate his authority. You know, we're the one doing the loosening, not God. So, so watch this. Um, to bind means to restrict, to restrain, to lock, or to tie down, all right? So you hold something so that it cannot do what it wants to do. You know, something against God's authority can't be activated, all right? You limit its ability to function because you've tied it up. You've bound it, all right? But to loosen is to release, to unlock, to permit, to free it up. 
So to be freed from the sin of a stronghold, you know, to be freed from lies and limitations, you know, we are freeing ourselves from certain things, but then we are also freeing God's authority to be active in to accomplish its purpose. You know, as you're sharing these things and you talked about we have weapons a a couple moments ago, I just kind of got this image of like, it's like we have a closet full of weapons in our house that we we've locked and, and and not even locked it's unlocked but it's just we've forgotten it's there and um at the same time you know we've touched on in in previous podcast this idea that we strive so much and so it's just this interesting contrast of what what we actually spend our time doing versus what we should do versus what God does. And just as you're saying these things and talking about binding and loosening to say, okay, if we picked up those weapons, if we chose to take on that authority and a lot of that work is on our knees instead of thinking, well, I'm going to fix this. I, I can fix this. I can, or if I just work harder, this will all work out. And so just as you say this, Um, As we kind of come to the end of this particular podcast, tie it back together to what this means in the context, not of individuality, but what this really speaks to of us needing one another and the binding and loosening. Well, and that's very important is to distinguish not just being this individual renegade, so to speak, that we are a part of God's family. We are a part of God's kingdom. We are acting uh, in agreement with, in alignment with uh, the leadership that he has put in place uh, for the purpose of fulfilling a great commission. So um, we can't just go rogue and start in an individual way, you know, just claiming, you know, authority and binding and loosening everything. We, We need to do that in the context of relationship in the context that, that we, um, have a relationship with people in the kingdom. We have a relationship with people outside the kingdom and we need to represent God's church in the way that we exercise this authority, uh, in a way that is attractive in a way that is honoring in a way that builds up instead of tears down. And so, you know, Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses 18 through 20 really speaks about the aspect of this that is together instead of individualistic. It says, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's an extraordinary statement. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Now, it's important not to turn this into a formula. Don't turn it into a magic trick, but put it into the context of people actually meeting together as brothers and sisters in Christ, meeting together as sons and daughters you know, under the Lordship of Christ, meeting together as people who are committed to the Great Commission, who have submitted themselves to the Great Commission, who are operating according to His authority, who are seeking the heart of God, operating according to the Spirit of God for the power of God to be operated through them. And then it's got to be patient. 
It doesn't always happen immediately, but we keep seeking, okay, agreement. What is agreement? All right, when you abide in him and his word abides in you, ask whatever you wish. Well, the abiding relationship determines what you ask for. And the more you ask for things that are in alignment with his word, in alignment with his will, then what he wants to do is he wants to bring his authority into this situation. He wants to uh, give his power for this situation. And so it says, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, most of the time when we pray something like this, we're just thinking about a personal need. And listen, God cares about our personal needs. But how many times do we come as a representative representing others, representing the family of God, representing the work of God, and we're laboring together in such a way that God shows up and he's present in our midst because two or three are gathered together in agreement. He's among us and he's leading the entire process. Chris, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about that verse where two or three are gathered in my name is so familiar and so common in uh, Christian circles, but probably not as a, a much smaller percent would realize that was the context in which that was given. And I think, you know, in the context of One City Church, we have dinner groups and we value that community that we have to get to know one another but really in this, as we think about binding and loosing, and we think about the authority that's been given to us and how it is given to us as a body, um, just to encourage you um, in your time as you build community, whether it be within the life of one city or your own local church, if you are somewhere else, um, that we really truly allow our prayer lives to become something more than self-centered or family-centered. Um, there is that biological family, of course. Our most natural thing, my most natural thing to do when I sit down to pray is to think about my two children and my husband and the four of us, and, and then you go to your extended family, but that we would understand how important it is that that spiritual family be front and center in that and the power that we have to be together going forward and asking for God to do what he has told us that we have the power to and authority to ask, that we can bind and that we can lose. All right. Well, yes. And in that ask, I would say the key word there is we go beyond asking to agreeing. Mm. You know, um, how do we, I mean, how many times, just when you think about your church experience, do we truly come together as the body, and we ask an agreement about something of the magnitude of let's advance heaven and let's stop hell, okay? Mm -hmm. How do we come together and we ask in agreement about whatever the domains of darkness are in each city, but okay, we're going to agree that this domain of darkness uh, needs to be uh, destroyed by the light in that we need to see the resurrection power of God overcome this domain of darkness and literally make it a place that is known as a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of, you know, faith, hope, and love. And so one of the things as we close this, you can't have authority without unity. The agreement is where that unity comes from. 
And so we've got to unify ourselves. Well, how do we unify ourselves? We've got to get closer to God and closer to one another. When we are in that abiding relationship, he brings the unity because through the abiding, he determines what we ask for. And when we're asking for things according to our abiding, we're going to agree together. And when we are in agreement together, there is authority. Now, here's the thing. Here's the promise of unity. It will be done for you. And so that's what we're striving for at one city, to be unified around the kingdom of God so that the authority and power of God can be exercised through us that we truly advance heaven in each individual's life. We stop hell in each individual's life, in each family's life, but also in the greater vision of this city. Well, I hope this has been helpful. I hope it's been encouraging. I hope it's been challenging. And I hope you join us for part three next time. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend. And be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.